today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantar. When people have been saved from something amazing, when they've had a life or death experience, it marks them. It becomes part of who they are. It becomes part of their identity. If somebody battles cancer and wins, it marks them. They are a cancer survivor for the rest of their life. When a soldier survives, an IED marks them for the rest of their life. Our salvation reshapes our identity. This experience of escaping from hell marks us. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. If you were asked to write an essay, Explaining who you are, what would you write? Many would write, I'm an athlete, or I'm a mom or dad. Some may write, I'm a teacher, or explain their job title. Christ wants you to identify yourself as dead to the flesh and alive in Him. You're saved, and you are a child of God. Who you are in the eyes of God is so much more fulfilling and meaningful than who you are through the world's eyes. When you believe you're dead to your old self and alive in Christ, you begin to act and look more like Jesus. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 1, for part one of our message entitled, I Am Saved. Today, what we're talking about is is really what I consider in many ways the heartbeat of our church. This has been the heart of our church from the beginning. Our name as a church is wrapped up in this passage. Our mission is wrapped up in this passage. This passage tells you, if you've been here before, why I yell a lot, and it tells you why I yell about Jesus. So let's read God's word, Ephesians chapter two, beginning in verse one. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God... But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, I, I'm a fan of Bear Grylls. Uh, Bear Grylls is, uh, is a guy who does crazy things. He's a former... Uh, uh, member of the uh, British military, and he does all kinds of survival shows. Um, Maybe you've seen a show called Man vs. Wild, where they drop him off, and he literally has nothing, and he survives with like a knife for three days in the wilderness. Well, he has a new show uh, coming out, I I think just in England, called 
escape from hell. And the, the, the ad has like him walking out of this fiery abyss or something like that. And in the show, the concept is that he's going to go and, and recreate stories of actual people that survived in the wilderness. And so uh, there's a story of, of one guy who was um, in the Sahara Desert on the edge of it and then got separated from his group and then spent nine days by himself in the heat of the summer, nearly died. Another show is, probably, is going to be about somebody who was rafting in the Amazon and their life raft flipped. Uh, another one is going to be at somebody who was snowboarding by himself, stupidly, got hit with an avalanche, got disoriented, lost part of his memory, was lost on the mountain, didn't even know where he was. Uh, and if you go to the website, you can see interviews with these people that have survived. And one of the things that you realize as you read kind of their bio is that for many of them, this experience of escaping from hell marks them. It becomes like the thing about them, if you could imagine that. I mean, think about it. If, if you spent nine days in the Sahara Desert, how many times would that come up at like parties, right? Like it's a little slow, so, hey, John, tell us that story of how you almost died. And so you become that story. That story, that experience marks you. Um, or maybe you proactively try to drop that into conversation. Well, it's pretty cold in here, but nothing like the time I was lost for three days on a mountain after an avalanche, you know? And, and, and these experiences, these, these experiences mark us. Being saved out of a figurative hell marks these people in their interviews, in their lives. Well, my point is this related to our passage. When people have been saved from something amazing, when they've had a life or death experience, it marks them. It becomes part of who they are. It becomes part of their identity. If somebody battles cancer and wins, it marks them. They are a cancer survivor for the rest of their life. When a soldier survives, an IED marks them for the rest of their life. Our salvation reshapes our identity. This experience of escaping from hell marks us as individuals and as a church. And so the first section we're going to work through this morning is verses one through uh, four, or one through three rather, who we are because of sin. Verses one through three, who we are because of sin. Verse one says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Now, I'm just going to warn you about the next three verses, that they are super offensive, especially to Americans, okay? We as Americans, we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We are the kind of people that if you give us a chance, we're, we're going to build a, a, a new multi-million dollar business. We, we are people that just need, a, a, you know, we just need a little bit of a boost and we'll, we'll be off to the races. And this passage says No. Now, apart from Jesus, it says we're not just in trouble. We don't just need a life raft. We, as Scripture says, were dead, okay? We as Christians don't need religious band-aids. The world doesn't need sort of a religious band-aid. It is dead. We, as humanity, are dead. And it says we were dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked. Now, when Adam and Eve at the beginning of the Bible sin, the result is spiritual death. And so there's this relationship in the Bible that, that sin equals death. Sin equals death throughout Scripture. And sin is breaking God's laws, trespassing on his laws. But God's laws are based on God's character. God is 
perfectly loving and good and kind and just. And so when we break God's laws, when we trespass, we violate God's nature. We violate all that is good and holy and right. And scripture says we were dead in our sins and which we once walked. And so it wasn't just we died and that was it. We continue to live in this body of death. And verse 2 says, following the course of this world. That's not just, okay, the world in general, in Scripture and in this context. The world is what happens when sinful people get together and work on new ways to sin, right? Just like you get people that are dead in their sins and trespasses, and they get together, and what you get is the world. You get some momentum there. You, you, You begin to encourage one another in sin. And we all kind of follow along. And even as much as we want to believe that we're all individual snowflakes and special and meaningful, which in in a sense, in God's image, that's true. In this respect, we're just like everyone else. We're following right along. But not only the world, verse 2 also says we're following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Now, the power of the air in that time was where they thought spirits kind of lived. They thought, okay, somewhere in that spirit world um, was, was in the air somewhere, I, I guess. So in, in that day, Paul's saying the prince of the power of the air is saying the king of that evil spirit world that you're afraid of, yeah, you're following that guy. That guy at the, the head of the line, the well-dressed uh, guy that looks good and loves sin. Yep, that's Satan. And guess what? You were following him. So you're dead. You're following the world. And you know what? For good measure, let's follow Satan as well. And this term sons of disobedience means literally in that day, that, that we're sons, that we're of legal age, that we know what we're doing. It's not like, you know, Satan is the Pied Piper and we have no control and he just leads us along. We're of an, eagle, of an age where we understand what we're doing and we're like, I'm with that guy. Given the choice between following the Lord and following the prince of the power of the air, we go, I'm with him. Verse 3 among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And this, this term, the passions of the flesh, means that our sinful desires had control of us. It doesn't mean uh, that it sometimes gets, gets um, misapplied. It doesn't mean that we are constantly doing the most evil thing we could think of, because that's not true. But it does mean that that the passions of our flesh have a hold on every area of life, on, on even areas that we assume that we're good in, that they're tainted and corrupted by sin. Even our minds and the way we think are now corrupted. And verse 3 ends with the result of this. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. If this is true, if we are dead in our trespasses, following sinful humanity, following Satan himself. And if God is just, he has to act justly. God created the world perfect and without sin, and sin is a violation of everything good. And the result is that if God is just, the result is wrath. So I want to give you a summary of our state in verses 1 through 3. 
Our past is defined by our trespasses and sins. Our present is that we're following our flesh, the world, and the devil. And our future is it's all going to end in God's wrath. Now, we're asking in this series, who am I? Who are we? And many times for us as human beings, our impulse is to look at the, the bad parts of ourselves, the things that we don't like about ourselves, and say, well, that's, that's not my fault because of this. That's not my fault. You don't understand. It was it, my parents, and it was very difficult. Um, and that, that, that may be true. But our impulse is to push the parts of our identity that, that we are ashamed of onto somebody else, make it somebody else's fault. Uh, I recently heard a radio story of a, a man who uh, brutally killed a young woman. And the reporter was sort of looking at the story, looking at who to blame, who gets the blame in this situation. And they kind of delve into the man's past and his upbringing and the difficult things that had happened to him and all of this. And yet, in the end, the man and the father of the young woman that was killed both agreed that made things difficult, but, but he did this. this. This man who was shaped by his upbringing and, and, and walked through difficult things, he still decided to take the life of this young woman. See, in, in essence, this passage is a mirror for us. We, we, of course, have been sinned against, and this passage is not minimizing that, and yet it says that we ourselves are choosing to follow the world to, to participate in sin and that God's wrath is a just consequence for our sins. Now, what does this mean for us as a church before we go on to the next point? Well, it means for us as a church that we're not just here to be a, a social do-gooder organization, that we want to do good to the city around us. We, we're not here as a church to offer religious band-aids. We're not here to help people along on a journey of uh, self-discovery involving soft Enya music and candles, although that's not necessarily bad if you like Enya and candles. And we're not meant to add uh, an alternative activity on the weekend among many of the various choices of spirituality that you can choose from. This is what Scripture says is wrong with the world. And so if our church isn't about addressing this, we're handing out band-aids to people with gunshot wounds. And we have no purpose as an organization and should just close our doors. But by God's grace, that's not the end of the passage. Verse 4 tells us, and, and verse 4 to verse 7 tell us who we are because of grace. Look at verse 4 and how it begins. It lays out who we are by ourselves, and then verse 4 begins, but God. See, Paul is saying you, you Christians used to be dead. You used to follow the course of the world. You used to be objects of wrath. Then what changed? What possibly changed? Verse 4 changed everything but God. We were dead. We were hopeless. We were helpless, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, Pause there. Why should God have mercy on us? What is there in verses one through three that God's looking at and going, that's a reason for mercy? He sees people dead in their sins, joyfully running after Satan, and he says he is rich in mercy and has great love toward us, and he's going to act on it, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. God does something that blows our minds. He made us alive. We were dead and he restarted our hearts. We weren't sort of dead, mostly dead. Princess Bride friends, we were not uh, just bad off. It's not looking good, you know, medically dead. No, this is stone cold dead, the bottom of the ocean. Jesus Christ dives in and restarts our hearts. He made us alive together, notice, with Christ. How did he do it? How did he make us alive? He made us alive together with Christ. And our church's name is Cross of Grace. And the reason cross is in there is that when we say cross, we mean not just the literal cross, that's shorthand for us, to to speak of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And the reason we're cross of grace is it was too long to put in, uh, he lived a perfect life, died a brutal death, was buried, raised again, and now seated with heaven of grace. So we just say cross of grace, and that's shorthand. Now, physically, Jesus suffered and bled and gasped and suffocated on the cross, but that, Scripture reveals, was just a picture of the spiritual agony that he bore. The the scripture says that as Jesus Christ on the cross bled out physically, he was being poured out spiritually. That on the cross, this, this perfect sinless son of God cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was cut off from the presence of God and God poured this wrath from verse three on him for us so that if we believe in Christ, we were with him in his death. You understand that that as he bore the wrath of God, God looks at that if we believed in Christ and counts us as having suffered for our sins, that we with him died and were buried, and now, because of that, can be made alive in his resurrection. And so when, we, so when Jesus died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he rose again, we were made alive, even when we were dead in our trespasses. And why, Paul knows you're wondering why. I'm still not getting it, Paul. We were dead. He made us alive through the death of his son. Why? He says, by grace, you have been saved. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Uh, I got to restrain myself. Okay, we gotta, I'm going to hit that in a minute. Just pause there. We're going to hit that at the bottom. So he made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, so we've been brought to life in Christ. And because Christ is seated and raised up in heaven, there is a spiritual sense, although one day it will be a reality for us, there is a spiritual sense in which we're seated with him now. And he's doing this for a reason. Here is the insane reason. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So he saves us by grace. He restarts dead hearts through the death and resurrection of his son so that, so he shows us grace so that in eternity he can show us immeasurable riches of grace. 
So grace doesn't like end on the cross. He saves us by grace so that, so that like a dad who's taking his kids to Disney World, he can smile and say, just wait. There's immeasurable grace where we're going. So this is who we are by grace. This is, our, this is a summary of who we are. Our past, although we were defined by our trespasses in sin, our past sins and trespasses have been wiped clean. Verse one, I mean, chapter one, verse seven says that through Jesus' blood, through him dying and suffering in our place on the cross, we have forgiveness of sins. Our present is that we're no longer subject to the power of the flesh, the world, and the devil, but we're now in Christ. We're, we've been raised up with him. And our future, our future is this, that once we were staring down the barrel of God's wrath, which we deserved rightly, now we look forward to grace after grace after grace after immeasurable grace in eternity. So what does this mean for our identity? Our new status in Christ is saved. Where, where once, according to our past, our, our, our identity was sinner, trespasser, Satan worshiper. Now our identity is saved, redeemed, forgiven. And this changes everything, everything about us. In that story I started earlier of the criminal who brutally killed that young woman, the story goes on to talk about how at the trial, the father was in the courtroom, the father of this young woman that had been killed, and the criminal that had brutally attacked and killed her was there. And the sentence was read. And at that moment, this father looked into that man's eyes, that criminal's eyes, and saw that he was absolutely undone. So the father did the unthinkable. The father wrote this criminal a letter, found out where he was in prison, wrote him a letter expressing whatever sympathy he could for him. And the man wrote him back. And so the, the father of this young girl wrote him again, and he wrote back, and eventually the, the, I believe this man was a Christian, and eventually his heart, something happened to a degree that he sent a letter to this criminal saying the unthinkable, saying, I forgive you. And the criminal's response was that he had been contemplating taking his own life because he was so wrecked by what he had done. Because he was no longer just a murderer. That was true. And he was bearing the, the consequences of that. But he was also forgiven. See, one writer says it this way. One Christian writer talks about it this way. The power of the gospel comes in two movements. It first says, I am more sinful and flawed than I ever dared believe. Verses one through three are devastating. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
These verses from Ephesians speak to who we are in Jesus and how we became one of His. Pastor Ricky will be taking us through the book of Ephesians, seeking the answer to the question, Who am I? For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Cross of Grace Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.